This week's episode is brought to you by the Talk Buster podcast. Every episode, Chris Chipman and a guest reminisce of their time working for Blockbuster. Now, even if you've never worked for a Blockbuster, I guarantee you'll find the stories both hilarious and relatable. One of my personal favorite stories was when he had a guest retelling his time of working at a porn shop the day before Christmas when they were just packed to the gills. So, listen to the Talk Buster podcast on all your favorite platforms today. And welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, man? It is going okay. I uh, My co-worker, who is normally the other guy who deals with the floor, is out today, so I had complete run of the floor. And of course, the day he's out, I get hit with all the weird problems, so I got to spend all day you know, debugging instead of getting to work on the things I want to work on. But it's all right. I was hoping you were going to say you went mad with power, but... That's not me. That's... You're projecting, bro. (laughs) Yeah, yes, I am projecting. Well, let's get on into our Patreon sound off. Those are the wonderful people that make this endeavor possible. They are Pam Galley, Marky, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Reed D, Stephen, and Arthur Crane. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. For only 25 cents an episode, you get to help support the show, you get early access, and all sorts of other great perks we continue to roll out. Now, today, we have a very special guest. We are joined by author and host of the Geek History Lesson podcast, Ashley Victoria Robinson. Thank you so much for having me, fam. You don't even know. I have tried to get on this podcast before and my schedule has been a complete disaster because I take on too many things and I'm bad at it and finally got to make it happen after uh, completely forgetting and then rescheduling. So join the Patreon, support your hosts because they're really good dudes. Uh, okay, we won't hold it against you at all. We're glad to have you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so for our topic today, if I'm not uh, mistaken, we've got a very, uh, how, how do I put this? It's a very, like, I think, well-experienced conversation. I, it's the kind of that I've had with my friends many times. I think it's a, a classic geek conversation. But we're here literally just to talk about what superheroes or characters like that we want to see on the big screen or want to see better on the big screen. <laughs> totally. So now, usually, in our practice, we like to give the guest the first crack at it if they wish to. So, yes. Um, so the first one that comes to mind, people are going to think is super, super lame and it's super, super obvious. But I want to redo of Iron Fist, guys. Oh, well, obviously. <laughs> I love the Marvel Netflix universe so much. And I, ju- I just think like I think Luke Cage especially is so special. And I'm really sad that it, you know, it wrapped up the way it did because of contracts. I'm hoping we get some of those characters ported over into other things. But you know, Iron Fist came out of this weird kung fu wushu obsession of the 60s and 70s that gave us other great things like Shang-Chi. Um, and they got Shang-Chi right, at least in the casting. They could cast my countryman, Simulu, and I couldn't be prouder as a Kimbit. But, you know, I didn't know if the Knight of Flowers was up to it. And it turned out that, you know, maybe for a number of reasons, if you believe the production woes that we've heard about, uh, the show was really bad. Really bad. Would- and then- I would, say, being bad. I would say season two got a lot better. Like season one was kind of horrific. And then by the end of season two, I actually wanted more and then there won't be more. So 
I mean, even Faramir couldn't save it. I love David Wenham. And I'm going to bring up another thing, and I promise they're correlated, and I will wrap this up quickly. But I also want to redo of Hawkeye. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye. And uh, I generally don't like people who try to kill their wives getting to uh, work and be free in this world. And, uh, you know, he's part of that. And I think Ah, both of these characters, (laughs) I think both of these characters could have been done better if they were played by Charlie Hunnam. Really? I mean, I... Well, because Charlie Hunnam has always one of the, been the, one of those actors that I find myself defending against people a lot. But I'm a big fan of Sons of Anarchy, so I yeah, like name him something other than Sons of Anarchy that he was really good in. Pacific Rim. Yeah, I like. And Pacific apparently, Rim. I'm he's, not apparently sure. he's awesome in The Gentleman. I haven't seen that yet, but I've heard nothing. I good can't things. argue for something I haven't seen. Now he, you're you're absolutely right. He's not the best actor. I will a thousand percent acquiesce that he's he's no like Benedict Cumberbatch, but. He has a lot of charisma and he's really fun to watch. And I think both of those characters, I think if the actor who played them was more charismatic, I think we could have forgiven some of the shortcomings that they both suffered through production or through the writing. And they also just didn't give me the version of Hawkeye that I wanted. I wanted Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, and I think Charlie Hunnam could do that. So those I wanted to uh, start off with a lot of high controversy and insult the MCU as soon as we got into the show. Hey, we're not holding anything against you here. And besides, it's actually actually not that controversial to insult Iron Fist because uh, the show was pretty universally panned. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm the only person that kind of liked the first season and thought the second season was pretty good. I mean, I don't know why that one was just like, eh. And maybe but it, I mean, but it's I'm, your opinion, I'm, so it's not wrong. My hat is as, off as you for, if you enjoyed it. <laughs> as for Hawkeye, I've always enjoyed Renner's performance, but I find your argument to be uh, unshakable, and I don't disagree with it at all. <laughs> Thank you. Very kind. We got Kate Bishop. We're, we're, we're going to, you know, move past anything that there. That show, by the way, is on, uh, I think that show is soft canceled, but that and um, Winter Soldier are on indefinite hiatus. Is that, have yeah. they confirmed that? Because I keep hearing rumors and speculations and no one seems to give a straight answer. I mean, I don't know if anyone's confirmed it, but uh, I've heard some things from some people who work on some Marvel things that, and then I think especially, have you guys seen Sebastian Stan's Instagram stories this week? Yeah. I haven't, I haven't uh, but I'm not on uh, Instagram, so. <laughs> oh, he was God. throwing real shade. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and there's always there's been a lot of rumors too that Mackie wasn't happy about that. So I would be anyway. super bummed if they canceled the Winter's Falcon Winter Soldier. I would die for that series. Me too. It's it's between that and Miss Marvel are like the two that I wanted the most. I'm finally getting yeah. Well, Miss Marvel was a a big one for me. I've always been a big fan of Kamala Khan. So God, she's just the best. All right, I've talked a lot. Tell me your thoughts. Well, actually, I want to hear a bit more. So, Iron Fist has always been one of those characters. I'm I'm a huge fan of old school martial arts movies. Like, I I love me some Bruce Lee, which is the same era. But I also love a lot of modern stuff. Like, The Raid is possibly my favorite yes, action movie Raid, in yes. existence. I love anything that Iko Uwai does. In fact, when they brought Iko Uwai into Force Awakens and he didn't throw a single punch, I was very upset. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, I love anything Donnie Yen does particularly uh kill oh, I want zone him, and... i want him to be shang chi's dad or master or in some i want him to be in shang chi <laughs> yeah well because donnie yen is probably the best currently active martial arts actor like yes. from an objective point of view so 
whatever that means. <laughs> but my point is that even though I, I like all those things, I was never big into Iron Fist. I know very little about them. The most I know about Iron Fist from a pre-Netflix series era was when he showed up in, like, Spider-Man shows. Like, particularly in that one oh, Spider-Man sure. show. Where- he was voiced by um, Greg Sykes, so it was just to me. It was like, why is Beast voicing Iron oh, Fist? I love him. <laughs> okay, so if you if you want to know more about Iron Fist or why Iron Fist is cool, it's so funny that I also brought up Hawkeye because before Hawkeye, Fraction and Aja worked on an Iron Fist series. Uh, there's three volumes of it. It's in print. It's incredible. Uh, the art obviously is amazing. But that's what opens up um, the Seven Cities and a lot of the mythology that they tried to port over into the TV show, but it didn't quite work. And it kind of justifies why we're having it doesn't justify. Right. Because like Iron Fist should be a person of color. Right. Should probably be a person of Eastern. I mean, that uh, was or, one thing I, I don't. I didn't know how to really bring that up, but I feel like, yes, I'll bring I, recognize, it up. <laughs> I, re- I recognize while Daniel Rand's original characterization is the white guy who learned yeah. all the stuff. And they, I feel like I have no problem with retooling him into being someone from the culture that all of the story is based or, in, essentially. Especially because it's like Luke Cage. Like, you can look at the Luke Cage comics and be like, they were progressive for the time, but when you read them, like they're borderline offensive. And the early Iron Fist is the same thing. It's like, well, this is being written by a bunch of white guys from New York City, so we'll make him a white guy from New York City. And like we did with Steve Rogers, we'll take him to Asia and we'll make him a stranger in a strange land. And you're like, okay, I mean, that kind of works. But especially in a modern world, in a modern New York City, just, yeah, make him someone of asian descent and even even say he's half white like still call him danny rand that's fine or you could totally have a uh, i like the idea of having it be say an asian american who is disconnected from their culture and this is kind of a way of of shoving of like having to uh, address or confront that disconnection in order to uh, come into their own as a hero. You can literally have that be the kind of over theme of a said movie is by essentially coming to some sort of um, agreement or acceptance of their heritage is what allows them to unlock the the deep powers of the Iron Fist, you know? Man, you've convinced me. <laughs> See, the only problem you run into there is you have to write it so you're not treading on what they're doing with Shang-Chi. I do but agree. They didn't, I don't know if they knew that Shang-Chi was happening at the time. Oh, no. I mean, right, we're going we're, to assume We're talking about what we scrap. know now, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're assuming total scrap, and we're assuming that Iron Fist is just going to become part of Shang-Chi. There's no reason to do another white guy. Maybe you don't have to do an Asian guy, but there's a lot of other people that could work the same, you know, not knowing that culture and no one would complain. I mean, what really is Danny Rand's character except he was a person of wealth that discovered a strange magic land and his hands light up? A lot of it hinges on him being an orphan and the death of his parents. And sometimes he revokes his fortune or he gives it over. But I mean, ultimately, like, it's the None of that is intrinsically same... limited tied to his uh, ethnicity, that's what I'm saying. He doesn't have to be... It's no, he doesn't have to be. No, 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 no. It's a bit hard to sell, but it works. Absolutely, but it's the same. Right? It's, it's like the Batman of it all. It's the Bruce Wayne. It's the Tony Stark of it all. Like the biggest superpower that Oliver yeah. Queen has is being a rich white guy. I, you're absolutely correct. I feel like for me with comic book characters, I, I think I remember watching a video a while back talking about. I think it might have been Bob doing it, talking about that. It's not the powers 
or even the settings that draw us to these uh, stories. It's the characters. If it weren't the characters, then people would just make ripoffs uh, with the same power set and sell that in movies, and that would work. And sometimes it does, but not often. Like, yeah, so, I was like, you're not always wrong. It does sometimes happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But my, my point is, so I think about, at least in my limited experience, Iron Fist's role in group dynamics whether it's with his own supporting cast or with other heroes is he's and i don't know a better way to put this he's the chill guy he's the namaste guy because he's the one who's actually gone through like this kind of training to reach this you know this place mentally I so think i feel that's like a great observation i think that's why they pair him with luke cage who in the comics is is much more angry than we got in the tv show in the tv show because mike coulter is such a lovable beautiful charisma calming, the, Perez. Oh my, he's just the best like i'm watching that evil show and i don't care about it but he's in it so i'm watching it um so it kind of negates the necessity for it where i think in the book you understand why danny is fulfilling that role a little more yeah no, I so say that. i mean if they're gonna do i i would want to see iron fist luke cage I mean, I think that's honestly they should. I don't know if you could have well, done Heroes it. for Hire. Just make that the yes. Movie. I want to be Heroes from Hire Give show <laughs> from the get go, but I don't know if you could do that because, well, as we saw, there's a lot of weird stuff to Iron Fist. Like I like Iron Fist, but his lore is kind of weird and heady. I, and I will dense. say the only thing about um, the hand that worked in Marvel's version as for her, if she's whatever she's in. So I thought she worked, and the. The one member of the hand who was actually from Japan, like everything to do with him was great. He and... should have been Iron Fist, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Okay. But basically, it's funny. It feels like, and I, I feel sad to say this, but it feels like Elektra, like, is really what brought down the Defenders. As for Iron I Fist, mean, it was weird I'll agree that... with that. Yeah, and I, I don't dislike Electra's character, but in that show, everything to do anyway. But as far as Iron Fist is concerned, it was just weird that like. Danny Rand was the least interesting member, even with the stuff that did work, like Colleen, right? Yes. Oh, she was great. She should have been Iron Fist. Yeah. That's the name of this episode is blank. Should have been Iron Fist. <laughs> That's the I biggest the missed door. opportunity of season three was seeing Colleen win with the crazy glowing. Everybody, all yeah. the cool stuff they set up. I'm still, oh, why? I know why, but still. All right, so... Disney, that's why. <laughs> so let's back back to basics real quick. So, all right, we say uh, say we got Charlie Hunnam just because, and for sake of argument, how do you, um, since this is you brought this up, how do you frame uh, in your mind the 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 movie? Because so, we're talking about big screen, so we make an Iron Fist movie, we scrap everything that came before. What do you uh, loose framework? So there was a series that was published, I believe it was published digitally first that has since been collected called Iron Fists with fists, multiple fists. And it was about Danny um, having a daughter who was of Asian American descent. And so I love an origin story and I love a sidekick. Robin's my favorite superhero. So I would have it be all about Danny coming into a position of care for a probably a teenage um chinese american girl probably by accident because danny not the most responsible human being and having to learn to be a father to her and nurturing her as a human being and also teaching her how to be the iron fist and then if i have my druthers and i can do whatever i want because i have just crowned myself the head of marvel studios i would have a parallel storyline where uh luke cage and jessica they have a daughter and i would tell a competing 
uh, story of these two men who are used to only looking out for themselves and fighting the biggest threats in the galaxy, having to deal with working on such a small personal level and learning that you don't have to hold your children as close as you think you do. I'm guessing that. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we have these two children being raised by essentially uh, in a, superheroes um, mm-hmm. that are we don't need the super we they have the name recognition enough for the pl- for the point of this plot and then I'm guessing they're since you're telling these competing parallel stories when they crash into each other is it as like friends looking out for each other is it as rivals is it as adversaries what are we what are we looking at here I would want to initially have them at odds with each other. I don't know if I necessarily need them to be fighting at with each other. It's dads. But... You have dads. Dads yeah. naturally compete with each other. It's it's kind of what we do. And then they have to come together, um, you know, like bad pitch off the top of my head. They have to come together because their daughters are threatened by something, if not the same, then similar. And they both learn a little bit that evolves them as better humans, ergo better fathers. And then by the end of it, they go, huh, we're pretty good at doing this together. Like the scene that we almost had in Defenders in the Chinese restaurant where they had Danny all tied up. And uh, then at the end, they're like, oh, so they... Maybe their girls wind up in the same daycare or maybe Jessica takes them and Jessica looks after them when the guys are out. And we see in the end an opening of a, a, a really crappy storefront that's like in Harlem as Heroes for Hire. Sorry, my brain latched right onto Jessica Jones as babysitter and I went in a completely other direction. <laughs> well, that's the second one, which is uh, the babysitter killed my Thanos or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I, I mean, I'm all for it, but I'm all for good movies in general. So <laughs> thank you for saying that my pitch would make a good movie. It's so flattering. Yeah. So, uh, or if you don't mind, I will uh, go next, but I will. Yeah, I don't want to you... follow that pitch. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> phrase, I'll phrase it to you guys first. Uh, the comic book hero or the non-comic book hero? Let's go non because we just did a comic. I want to see Danny Phantom then. Oh, what a good choice. <laughs> I feel like it is from the ground up built to so well to be a movie. I mean, it's Spider-Man and Ghostbusters. Why hasn't this been turned into a movie yet? (laughs) And also, by the way, Spider-Man and Ghostbusters, both owned by the same studio. So if you could get Sony to produce this, that's a great tagline. Who owns Nickelodeon? I don't know, but Nick's not allergic to money and success, so I'm sure they'd be up for it. Well, they're I mean, they're doing they're doing the TMNT cartoon, aren't they? No, they're doing the star one of the Star Treks. So are they owned by Viacom then? Anyway, there's only sure. like four telecommunications companies that own every studio. <laughs> yeah, AT and T's like everything at the end of the day. So, yeah. but anyway, for anyone out there who might not know this because it's not as I think well known as uh, you know a lot of other things we might talk about. Danny Phantom was a, a Nickelodeon show made by Butch Hartman, the same guy who made uh, Fairly Odd Parents. It lasted, I want to say, five seasons and a movie. And the basic plot line, which is given in rap form in the opening, which I normally hate, but it works really well for this show. Can you rap it for us? I maybe you could ask me later. <laughs> I, I can probably can, but I don't need that recording out there right now. <laughs> fair, fair. Anyway, the the plot is Danny Fenton is this uh, 14-year-old kid whose parents are obsessed with hunting ghosts. And at this point, you know, at the beginning of the story, there's no proof ghosts actually exist. But they create a portal to the ghost zone, a dimension where 
ghosts exist. Although the show's very iffy on like what a ghost is, because sometimes they are people who died and became ghosts, but other times they were like entities that just always existed in the ghost zone. Point is, kid goes messes around with the tech suddenly boom he's half ghost so he can turn into like a ghost form where his hair goes white his eyes go bright green he can phase through walls and he accidentally unleashes ghosts into the world so he has to use his newfound powers to capture the ghosts and put them back in the ghost zone to protect people all while maintaining his secret identity because in this case secret identity isn't just protecting you know the people close to him but his parents hate and hunt ghosts and he now is one so he's got a Anyway, get my point here, people that can't actually answer me. <laughs> so. Yes. No. Yeah, this is this is another very good movie, and I'm kind of wondering why they haven't done it yet. Because I mean, this is an iconic movie for our TV show for a generation. Yeah, actually, a while back, I was I was curious. I don't remember what brought me to this, but I just was on like a, some Reddit forum. And I was like, "What is your first uh, animated crush?" Was the question, and like a lot of ladies said their first animated crush was Danny Phantom, and I was like. I'm surprised, but not. <laughs> so oh, the one I hear a lot question. is the fox from, uh, at least for women, is the fox from Disney's Robin Hood. I mean, Robin Hood. <laughs> well, it's the fox from Disney's Robin Hood. You can call him Robin Hood, I guess. But that was the one like I've Robin seen a lot. Of <laughs> yes. Yeah, but if you just say Robin Hood, that that could be a lot of people. I mean, some people said Kevin Costner. Robin Hood. I know what you were talking about, but <laughs> I'm surprised they've only made one. You know, they're gonna remake everything. Anyway, so... I mean, it's coming. They're doing Bambi, for goodness sake. I refuse to believe that exists, just because I can't live in a world where there's a live-action Bambi. Uh, I'm with you, man. It's wrong on so many levels. It also won't be live-action. Like, it's going to be CG. Anyway. Anyway, so I don't have necessarily a specific actor picked out, but I think... That if I were to choose someone, I'd want a young actor because it's supposed to be a young character. But don't, we don't need to have all the young 14. You can age it up a bit. And the actor in my head that stands out is Finn Wolfhard because sure, he's sure, actually sure. – he's got the frame. He got, has the look. He's very funny. So he can pull off the kind of snarky-esque like kind of you know, dialogue that Danny like delivers. I don't necessarily have anyone to play the other characters. I'm just kind of playing this off the top of my head. Uh, for the story – Again, we can do an origin story. I mean, origin stories, are they're common for a reason. They're very, not easy to write, but it's easy to write them in an enjoyable way, if that makes any sense. Well, his so, origin's in the theme song, so you don't even have to spend that long on it in the movie. Yeah, but I kind of would. I would probably do well, it. Well, you, you, you do it, but I mean, you could spend the majority, like the middle act of your movie is kind of him hijinks with his powers, and I don't know. This is a very simple script to write it would be really good i think if done properly yeah first movie i think easy first villain skulker you literally the the plot of the first the plot of the first movie skulker for anyone who again hasn't watched is just a ghost who hunts ghosts he's basically craven the hunter but in ghost form so he uh so you you make the first movie a lot like sam raimi's first spider-man because i love sam raimi's first spider-man where the first chunk of the movie is basically just Danny being a kid, then getting his powers, then learning about his powers. Then all he has to do is start solving like one or two little minor things to get so that he's known about. Then you bring in Skulker halfway through the movie and then you just have like the most of the second act I, or like the second half of the second act be Skulker literally stalking him, learning about him as we can kind of learn about Skulker. You can do some predator like things in there with him because he's got similar kind of gear. And then you literally have like a third act be 
kind of a, again similar to the same experiment thing where skulker is like kidnapping people to make a trap to bring danny into it that danny has to go in anyway because he's got to save people obviously i mean it's a loose outline but that's kind of like how i envision it i think that sounds incredible and i'm honestly like now that i think about it i'm shocked that we haven't had an adaptation of this especially in this weird nostalgia world that we're living in right now considering they're on their second adaptation of avatar the last airbender i mean yeah but hopefully netflix do it right this time and they're making it a tv show so that means they learned something the first time around about pacing Mm -hmm. and the importance of pacing and sometimes you can't cram everything into a single movie i mean like the whole first arc of the show (laughs) oh yeah I mean, I'm not saying it'd be a good idea, but I'm surprised they haven't at least done one of those, like, like they made the Kim Possible, like, TV movie recently. Like, Here's a fun fact. I auditioned for that. You did? Really? I did. Yeah, I did. I never I, saw it. I have no idea how it went. So. I didn't see it either, but they cast actual teenagers, so. Hey, I don't blame you. Kim Possible was one of my favorite characters growing up, so. I love that show so much. Yeah, so, that's, I'm trying to think of, like, I would I would definitely want to set up, you know, because Danny Phantom is a got a lot going on in all the seasons of show. And I feel like the big uh, the doom moment essentially would be Plasmius, but you wouldn't want to introduce mm-hmm. him until the nah, second. That's... Movie, and then yeah. you wouldn't your end credit stinger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. even then, it wouldn't be a first movie end credit stinger. I would not. I want to introduce him as a regular character, just Vlad in the second one and then do the turns into or reveals that he's a ghost at the end of the second one. And then the third movie, the trilogy ender be like just Danny and Plasmius. As for the, the second movie in between, there's any number of things you could do. Personally, I'd probably like to see Ember because a punk rock thinking, chick ghost. Well, is... you gotta do the ones that stick in people's minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad and you then... brought her up. Cause if not, I was gonna be like, but what about Ember though? <laughs> yeah. Ember's like my favorite uh, character it's just that skulker and plasmius are like the obvious choices so i'm like all right for the second sure, movie is where sure. we go with the uh the the just the favorite one and ember goes for that and just sprinkle box ghost in all three movies why not oh i like that <laughs> we gotta anyway. figure out who owns the rights to this we gotta make this viacom i, I looked it up well viacom <sighs> owns nickelodeon i don't know if they it means they own uh danny phantom because tv show rights are its own weird nebulous ownership yeah, I mean, well, also, if it's more than one person, um, sometimes people don't work together anymore, and then uh, and then the rights get lost forever. Well, that's, like what, that's what happened with, um, oh, my God, it's the Scott Bakula show from the 90s, and he travels through time. Quantum Leap. Oh, oh, Thank Quantum you. Leap. Um, I love my sci-fi. <laughs> the people who created it got divorced and were very mad, uh, but I think they got their stuff together, so now they are remaking it? That's what I've seen rumors of, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, I agree. But as long as Bacula's in it, I think I can. I think I can deal. As a quick, as a quick side note, so uh, Ashley here, for anyone who doesn't know, has a series online called uh, the Red Shirt Diaries that I've only just become aware of, <laughs> where where she plays an ensign on the Starship Enterprise and mm-hmm, the lowest a... ranked ensign. Yeah, and since I'm a huge Star Trek fan in general, I just wanted to put it on the record that for some reason I've watched ten episodes, and all I could think is I wish that this character would interact with Jadzia Dax. I don't know why. But... For so much, what a truly wonderful thing for you to say. I will say if you keep watching, because there's 31 episodes, I do interact with characters 
who come later in the Star Trek timeline because we do time travel. So, well, that's my. I have to watch it. Now. <laughs> I will. They're like three it, minutes but... long. It's like an hour's commitment to watch the whole thing. <laughs> I, I so far I think it's worth it. It's made me gut bust a number of times. But uh, Deep Space Nine is my personal favorite Star Trek. Me too. And... Yeah, and something about this character of Ensign Williams made me, it just felt like Dax would like to, like, play Tongo with her, so. Oh, man, could you imagine? Anyway, <laughs> Auric, what's your first one in our, in our actual conversation? <laughs> I'm realizing that I kind of came into this, I'm sure, because you guys got, like, full detailed scripts, and I'm like, hmm, who do I like from the comics that hasn't made an appearance yet? And I realized it's getting real slim pickings. Like, they're doing Black Knight, and I'm like, oh, man, um, who else is there that I like? And I thought, oh, I know one. I want the Winter Guard. I've been asking for the Winter Guard forever nice. because I thought it was one of those ones no one's ever going to do. Winter Guard is too weird. And now, with the Black Widow movie, fingers crossed, I get to see at least a flashback. And I want Crimson Guardian. I want my Red Guardian. I want Crimson Dynamo. I want Ursa Major. And I want Dark Star. Because they're just really, it's a cool, it looks cool. That is pretty much the basics of it. That is a cool looking team. And in terms of weird, obscure, out there comics, I don't know how much there really is left for them to plumb, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a Guardians of the Galaxy and we have more than one of them, for goodness sake. Yeah. And people love Guardians of the Galaxy. And that was like the most obscure nonsense before that movie came out. And that's kind of how I feel about Winter Guard. Like, I don't know... I have met a handful of people like, wait, Winter Guard? You mean the crazy Russian Avengers? Yes, the crazy Russian Avengers. Like, yay! Someone else besides me. Didn't they make a movie of, not the Winter Guard necessarily, but didn't they make a movie a few years back, like an actual Russian movie that was similar? Yeah. I kept kept making the joke like, Marvel, make Winter Guard. They have a bear with a machine gun. You have a giant bear man. It's, It's, come on. I heard it was terrible. I haven't watched it. I still want to watch it just because I really want... Winter Guard, and I'm still fingers crossed because it feels like they're the pieces are in place. And I mean, come on, Crimson Dynamo, a Soviet era Iron Man, which you wouldn't have to do Soviet era. I mean, you don't have to do. This. You could do this contemporary, because let's be fair, the rest of the world's going to see the Avengers and go, you know what, we need one of our own. And if rumors are being believed, you know, with what the Falcon Winter Soldier is setting up with an American sponsored Captain America. I can totally see a Russian-led team led by, you know... And we got Red Guardian. That's got to be something. Um, you know this that, is just kind of my weird out there. I don't know how it fits, but I want it because it looks cool. You know that Russia and China, at the very least, in a modern setting, would make their own Avengers team? Huh. Yes. Absolutely they would. Do we all did we all forget about the initiative where every state got their own Avengers team? I kind of want that, too. That would be a cool Disney Plus series. I was not aware of this Winter Guard thing. I just Googled it, and just seeing pictures of this bear uh, make me yep, excited. Some... Well, Dark Star is also really cool in that her powers are nebulous, but all... again, Marvel loves nebulous power sets because it can kind of do whatever it wants, but Dark Energy Beams, that as a word alone is really fun. Now, on a more serious note that I do think they need to do, and they can slaughter anywhere, I want Sin. Yes. Okay, for those of you who don't know, Sin is the daughter of Red Skull. In many ways, she is better than Red Skull. I would agree with that. In that, well, Red Skull is cool. Red Skull is iconic. Sin is insane in the most perfect ways. Where Red Skull kind of is mustache-twirling evil. Say what you will about Fear itself. I don't personally like it. 
but she has this great line when she takes out Bucky the first time and then she fights Steven. She's like, I get to kill two Captain Americas in one day. Oh, joy. That is just that is a great villain right there. And I think if Marvel is smart, they will find a way to introduce her in to the MCU because you've, you've lost Red Skull. You, you pissed off Hugo Weaving. He's not coming back. So why not do his daughter? Real missed opportunity because he's wonderful. Yes, yeah. yes, indeed. It looks no, like this uh, character was in the uh, the 1990 low-budget Captain America. Yes, fact, that is true. Yeah, I did not know that. Awesomely, awesomely bad. Oof. Yeah, well, v- I... Valentina De Santis, and she was Italian instead of German for some reason. <laughs> that makes sense. But I really feel like you, gotta, you have a massive villain-shaped hole in your universe. And obviously it's going to be filled by Doom, but Doom... Doom's a complex villain. When you need, well, hold on, evil... hold on. You're, sa- you're talking about a a a red skull shaped hole. Doom doesn't fill yes. that. Doom fills a wholly uniquely Doom shaped hole. Wearing a was... skirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pockets. So lots of pouches. Yeah, my my point is that you're you're talking about someone to replace what Red Skull represents in Marvel content in the how I'm that more functions. You have a big villain shaped hole, and they're going to try and plug Doom into it, and Doom is fine. But Doom is not the same. Okay, Doom is more of a Thanos. Whereas if we did Sin, you can't predict. You can really have her do whatever. And she really is truly an agent of chaos. And that would be fun. And I really want to see her. Apparently she likes to play on the uh, the church for her names. as She's also been called Mother Superior, leading a group called the Sisters of Sin. At one point she went by just the name Sister Sin instead of Sin. She knows her brand. Yeah. yeah, she's, again, a great character. And, I mean, I get the kind of, like, uh, Winter Guard. It's down to the point. It's like, okay, what's a cool character from the comics they haven't done yet? And it's getting kind of slim. And I really am amazed that they didn't figure out do Sin at some point when they still had, you know, Steve Rogers' Captain America. But it doesn't matter. She can still fight Captain America. She doesn't care. And it's a cool-looking villain. It's just, you know, a sexy lady with a creepy red skull. I mean... Okay, I know you didn't plot this out necessarily, but do you have any details for us? Like, any casting come to mind? Any loose plot story there, uh, come to I, mind? One, I want Marvel to go back to casting unknowns, because that was Agreed. fun. That was cool. And I'm not it taking any extra baggage. Yes, I'm not taking any extra baggage into the movie. It's like, okay, now I have to see past your previous roles. And Kuala Nanjiani is great, but seeing him ripped is always going to be weird to me. Like, that is... I'll low-key agree with that. I, I love him. I loved him before he was ripped, but... Yeah, and it's just not like, oh... That, as a as a big fan of Harmon Quest and Harmon Town, I've always been a fan of Kamel. <laughs> oh, Harmon Town. So, yeah, I want an unknown. And I, if I'm being honest, I want... And this is another one. We're going to get Thunderbolts. That That's going to happen. That is in the works. I would bet money that we see that. And I want her... When either Zemo falls or loses, I want her to take over and run the Thunderbolts, but not as the hero team, but as a straight up group of villains. And I kind of want them to think Zemo's up to his old tricks, like, and build up to that. And then the big reveal, like, no, it's not Zemo. I knocked Zemo out. I'm in charge now. And like, who are you? Oh, I'm Sin, the daughter of the Red Skull. And I will complete his grand mission of world domination. Man, Jason Eman right. wants the same thing. So maybe it'll happen after all. I guarantee the pieces are all there. They've they started keeping their villains alive. They've got a brought back a character with Thunderbolt, you know, Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. It, it's going to happen. 
And I mean, they brought Zemo, they got Ghost, they got Abomination. Who else do they have still floating around? The pieces are there. And I don't know, or maybe she runs, maybe she's the villain for the Thunderbolts movie. That actually works better. Let's go with that. I love that. And I love that you've picked a really, really cool and scary lady. Well, we haven't had a lot of, you know, female villains in the MCU. Or female heroes. Yeah. Or female heroes in their own movie. We we definitely (laughs) have taken a while to get there. Yeah. And we need a badass that, you know, you're both like, I like you, but you scare me. And that is sin. Yeah, I like you from a hundred feet away. (laughs) Yes. And honestly, the more I think about it, the more she needs to be the villain of a Thunderbolts movie. Like she has reunited Hydra. She's got him going out. And who are you going to send against the crazed mad woman with ancient Nazi technology, but a bunch of expendable supervillains? Plus, I like the idea of um, recently Auric and I were talking a bit he about maybe recording a buckler to answer some question like, quote unquote, is the MCU over? And we both agreed not to record it because the answer is no. But one of the things that I mentioned when we were talking is that uh, the, the reason why this question got asked in the first place is because pe- some people were like, well, after Thanos, you know, snapped away half the universe, where do you go from that? And it's like, you I don't mean, have to I go. I definitely feel that a little bit, but I get it because it's like, why be negative? Yeah, but my thing is you don't have to go bigger. You never have to go bigger. That's the, I mean, I'm a, again, I'm a Doctor Who fan. And when the Doctor Who tries to go bigger, it tends not to be as interesting as when it goes uh, much smaller and personal. And now you do the same thing with this kind of, like Sin is a character from what I'm hearing that wouldn't have a, you know, end the universe type scheme. She's just a, I want to rule the world type scheme. So yeah, she was the one that quote unquote killed Captain America the first time, or she was part of the whole assassination plot of Captain America. Yeah. My point is that you could easily frame this kind of story around, say, maybe she kills someone important. Uh, and then the entire emotional thrust of said movie becomes about how whoever the, the other characters are dealing with, that event you don't have to have everything be a end of the end is nigh kind of story they don't always require you can have personal character driven stories and she seems like a possible good vehicle i would describe her as marvel's answer to the joker without the baggage Mm, and that's the important part (laughs) like if i had to describe sin to somebody it's like just female joker without all the baggage because agent of chaos terrifying does her own things. There's no real way to predict what she's going to do or why she's even going to do it. She's just kind of crazy. All right, all right. Well, then if you don't mind, I want to push us on forward in the interest of time. So, Ashley, you have another one for us. You know, you brought up a lecture earlier, and I keep thinking about that. And it's not even that I thought that uh, the most recent version of Electra was that bad. It's I just think they were mistreated in writing. But in the interest of not just dumping on the Marvel television universe because, you know, that's just like mean and not <laughs> fair. And I, 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 I feel bad for Electra because Electra is an interesting character in the comic and she's yet be, to be yes. done well. So and, and she just and, got shoved in with uh Punisher and like, okay, make both these things work. Like yeah. that, you can't do that. Those are two huge characters that you really have to play out right. Otherwise it's gonna, you know, totally blow up in your face. And unfortunately she, she kinda did. And on uh on a Thunderbolts team, you know, could actually Ooh. really, really yeah. work. Because um, then it's not just so much you do with punching stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to say, having recently seen a version of this character in Crisis on Infinite Earths and not cared for them, um, I would like a redo on Ryan Choi. 
because Ryan Choi is my favorite version of the Atom. And I think the way that the character was utilized in Crisis on Infinite Earths kind of negated what was interesting and powerful about them. And I think it ruined Ryan Choi forever coming and becoming a part of the Arrowverse. And I love the Arrowverse. And I'm very sad that Arrow's over because my favorite show on the Arrowverse. So I want to redo on Ryan Choi. And the easy casting that comes to mind for me would be Simulu, who is our uh, Shang-Chi. But you want someone who seems very smart and very capable, but can also go toe-to-toe with the superheroes. And the Ryan Choi that we got in Crisis wasn't a superhero. And even though we were told repeatedly that they were incredibly smart, due to the constraints of the event, we didn't get to see them, you know, to borrow a phrase from the MCU, like, or I, I think it might actually this phrase might be from Mar- the Martian. We didn't get to see him science the shit out of anything. We didn't get to see him be the Adam. We didn't get to see him do anything interesting. And he's such an interesting character. We just kind of saw him like, they were like, this is a paragon. We're, we're going to pretend that this matters and uh, run around a little bit and kind of be a stand-in for Ray because we had to have Super Brandon. And it's a bummer because for a long time in a post-infinite, no, Identity Crisis world when Gene Loring was Persona Non Grata in the DC Comics universe, uh, Ryan served a really, really important role because we couldn't have Ray Palmer around being the Atom because no one trusted him because of the death of Sue Dibney. So I just want, it's not even a redo, but I want a revisiting of that character. And I want them to be treated with the love and respect that the Arrowverse has given to some characters of similar caliber who are derivative or who maybe are not as high profile. I mean, look, the Arrowverse doesn't really deal in anyone who's high profile except for the Superman show that's coming, which is what's so wonderful about it. Right. In the, in the grand tradition of things like guardians of the galaxy. But I just, I love that character so much in the comics. And I was so disappointed um, by how they were underused in crisis on infinite earth. So if we were getting a standalone film with them, I would say you have a real opportunity to do a science bros type vibe. And I would even consider teaming them up with Ray Palmer, but I would want Ray Palmer to be a little older, maybe a little more of a Ted Cord type. And Ryan comes in as the hot shot uh, former intern who's now here to work the job full time, uncovers the fact that Ray had in the past been operating as the Atom, but maybe he's passed the time or hit an injury so he can't do it anymore. And so through recklessness and epic science that we probably can't explain because it will never actually happen, we get a pseudo Iron Man version of an origin story where Ryan updates the Atom suit, does something really cool, gets stuck in a version of the microverse for a little while. Although definitely for not as long as we wound up seeing in a bunch of the Ant-Man stories and through being stuck there, uncover something that he has to save through his shrinking powers that no one else can save. No, I changed my mind. Henry Golding. That's who I want to play. Ah, Henry Golding. Well, so first of all, I want to say that I love any excuse to use the phrase science the shit out of it because <laughs> I, you know, I'm an engineer. I love science. Uh, that's one of my main things I love about like Trek is even when it's techno babbling, it's I, I'm still into it. So what was well, that? at least they bother, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What was that name again? Henry Golding. He's the lead of Crazy Rich Asians. And last oh, Christmas, okay. he's in The Gentleman and he is uh, incredibly sexy. And honestly, I think should be. I'm shocked isn't a superhero yet. Now, as for your, your plot synopsis, 
I I don't know too much about Ryan Choi. I've always found the Adam to be an interesting like concept as a character. I always liked him a little more than Ant, his, his contemporary in Marvel, just because. I agree. Ad, yeah. Well, I like the idea of the Adam. It's like the the focus is different. Too. Well, also <laughs> that, definitely. Which is why the only concern I had with your kind of description is that the pairing him up with an older Ray felt very close to what they ended up going with yeah. in Ant Man style. I would I love the idea of Science Bros because I love Science Bros in anything, mm-hmm. but I would maybe team him up with. Well, maybe maybe the character that I actually want to see the most, which I was going right, to talk about next. Let's pitch our crossover. <laughs> uh, well, because the the character I wanted to talk about next was Static Shock. Oh, so, Virgil, so good. Yeah, Virgil Hawkins. And for anyone who doesn't know, within the um, within the DC universe, Virgil Hawkins is apparently the second smartest chemist in the entire world, only behind like Barry Allen, like his understanding of um, essentially how electrons and protons work because of how his powers work so i think a version of virgil hawkins i think could be a very interesting science bro combination with that could uh, be with... cool too if we started with like maybe uh ryan is like in a mentor position at an internship or a, like a, a university prep program or something like that that could really work oh definitely because a big thing of virgil's story is usually that his intelligence is what's getting him out of the not great place he lives so the, in the milestone universe although oh man i should have pitched rocket because rocket's such a dope milestone character well i spent like yeah, but yeah so I, all so on oh, before i get into that because i can go off on a long tangent but i probably will in a second here so tell me a bit more about uh ryan Choi specifically like what um differentiates him as a uh as an adam character from ray palmer i mean he's interesting um <laughs> that's my controversial take. Uh, I, I, mean, I, yeah. I don't wow, throw in the shade right out there i don't care i don't really care for ray palmer i've always found him kind of dull I think he's become more charming in his television incarnation uh, because Brandon Routh is, is quite charming um, yeah. as that character. But he brings, like, at face value, there's very little that's different between the Atoms, right? Except he's the Asian version of the Atom. He's a more diverse version of the Atom. But because he is often so much younger than Ray, he brings a real energy and a vibrance to the character, especially he's introduced around the time of 52. So he kind of came onto the scene when that character you know wasn't that interesting and was his wife part was part of the the whole plot that killed sue dibney and no one really liked him anymore and what oh dear what are we going to do with him and uh, really revitalize that character so he's just the young hip version of the adam and he's the only version of the character that i've ever liked and i think that's why i was so disappointed with him on crisis on infinite earth was he was just kind of there and he didn't have a lot of arrowverse i want to i want to say that i've always found the arrowverse like I know that it. I, I've had these arguments with people who don't. I like camp. I was. <laughs> I'm, I'm rambling, but my point is that I feel like the Arrowverse is always very good at tapping into. I think a lot of the in, actual enjoyment of comic books, and without having to be you know big, crazy or expensive looking. Like I, I adore uh, Arrow, Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow. I've only watched a bit of Supergirl, but. I mean, just I mean, the Legends fact that this is like low key one of the best shows in the Arrowverse. It's so yeah. good. I I just uh, I remember that bringing back, I want to say his name was Matt Ryan, but the guy who plays Constantine. Yes, Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, like bring him back. That was already a you get tons of my respect and points just for that because I loved his, his version of Constantine, and 
And recently, I didn't watch the Crisis Infinite Earths crossover. I've just seen bits and pieces of it. Like I saw the uh, the Lucifer scene, which made so me giggle. Good. So yeah, I didn't watch it either. But I watched that little bit, and I'm like, I don't know how they did this, but this is awesome. And I need to watch this show now, just for that little bit alone. They yeah, did it my, through complex contract negotiations. <laughs> yeah, my point is that anything else we can say about like the Arrowverse, I feel like it is highly impressive and even though for this conversation we're talking about like big movies i think that's why we can have this thing with uh ryan Choi. like oh he had his arrowverse version but we're talking about a movie version where he gets his whole own narrative and he's the focus so yeah thank you and so let's see we said henry golding or simu lu mm-hmm. and we're doing a probably a story what's what's like one of his big villains Oh, no, nobody. Um, nobody. He doesn't have a lot of standalone adventures. He's usually someone who's uh, in a more supporting position. So this would Let's be steal a, a villain. Then this Who would be a great opportunity to give him a villain. Um, okay, you, this is gonna sound dumb, but I promise, um, I think it'll work. <laughs> it sounds good in my brain. Um, I would put him against a version of because I think there's three or four versions of the Batman villain uh, the ventriloquist because that way you can have him shrink down and go inside um, and have to defeat him from an inside out kind of uh, storyline I can see that because then you're using the shrinking in an interesting way other than just hey look he's small now yeah and then that way I don't have to try and do like the uh, magic school bus someone's sick and we're gonna go inside and move their red blood cells around kind of thing Plus, the opportunity to use the ventriloquist in an actual live action is just great. I think the ventriloquist a... is like creepy as shit, too. Like, I think that villain is so scary. Oh, totally. I just, but I just love, I've always loved the contrast of we've got essentially dorky professor and Al Capone doll. So, <laughs> Al Capone doll. I love that. Yeah, I can totally get behind that. I also feel like when you have a character like the ventriloquist as your villain, it means that you frame your ending completely different because the ventriloquist is not a fighter. So your ending no. would not be just a brawl. It would have to be some sort of mental game. Yeah, and I think that we might see more choices being made like that in superhero movies going forward because we're so, we so expect like, okay, the movie's going to be pretty good and then they're going to find a reason to fight for 45 minutes and then the movie will be over. So it might be a slightly more creative choice. I don't know. We'll see well, when and if I'm ever getting paid to do it. You have to have different power sets because yeah. punchy punch, that's great and all, but... Again, that's why I like when I go back to Winter Guard. That's a very yeah. diverse power set going there. So totally. no matter what they're fighting, it's not just punchy punch. Or this one, it's like we're shrinking down to the mi- micro scale and man throwing atoms at each other. That would be cool. That would be an interesting way. Very problematic when you start thinking about the science of it. It's an anti Tengen Topa Gurren I'll yeah. let that just sit. <laughs> <laughs> For the 12 people who understood it. Thank you. I know that Ulrich started. doesn't. I didn't know if you would, so I just let it no, out. No, I was just like, okay. Gibbers I have an English degree in a theater degree, so I don't know much. Yeah, let's just say there's a robot that throws galaxies at people. Anyway. There you go. <laughs> and I want that movie too. Yeah, so I'll, I'll move on to my... I already mentioned Static Shock. Other ones that I considered saying, so I'm just going to quick rapid fire here. I'd also like to see Batman Beyond and The Question, but I've made I've mentioned The Question mm-hmm. many times before. But I wanted to yeah, talk about... Yeah, The Question about... is your version of Moon Knight for me. Yeah, Except I'm kinda. trying to get Moon Knight, damn it. Yeah. I'm sorry, <laughs> yes. I'm never going to not be happy about that until it comes out and it's like either miscast or terrible. Then I will never recover. But until that time, I'm just going to be happy dancing over here. Yeah, but I, I particularly I want to talk about Virgil because I felt like, and again, I don't know how to say this in a way that means anything, but 
even though I love Batman Beyond and I love Question, we have enough characters like that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so I want, I'd rather see Virgil because I, I mean, I've always been a big fan of Static Shock. When they had him in Young Justice, I was like ecstatic. And the only, the only thing is, I know there's some people are gonna be like, well, we already have uh, a show like that. No, we don't. So I'm just gonna shut that down right now. But so Virgil, I think is interesting because the Flash basically already stole <laughs> kind uh-huh. of the the beginning of Static Shock's story. So, but that's fine. In in my mind, again, similar to what I said with uh, even though I had an actor picked out for Danny Phantom, I don't have an actor picked out for Static Shock. But I would want someone young and unknown so the fact that i want probably like an actual kid like a 15 to you know 18 year old um to play i would, it means... I would pitch uh maybe ashton sanders who um he was in moonlight and he was just in Ooh, it was a hulu show about some rap guys and i have a severe case of the caucasians and don't know the name of any rappers Wu-Tang clan thank you he was just in that um he's probably about 17 or 18 right now he's a good actor Oh yeah, I mean that's that's most important bit is a good actor. I know Moonlight was like a best picture, right? So, so I'm good, yeah. I'm totally on board with that. And as for a plot, I, this is not very complicated. You do a similar thing as what we've described with horror stories before, where mm-hmm. you spend the first twenty minutes, twenty five minutes, just showing us Virgil, showing Virgil hanging out with Richie, having him show his school and the you know area he's in. You could even modernize it and. You could do some pretty dangerous, but also pretty biting social commentary that I think would I would love to see. And then you have like a modern, updated version of the the bang, the you know the event that releases the the for anyone who somehow you know doesn't know Static Shock, which actually is possible, is not that well known of a character. Uh, Virgil Hawkins Static Shock it was a kid in just a a city like an inner city. And he was affected by, there was a, essentially like an explosion due to, uh, in the original story, it was like a gang war, essentially, that caused a set of chemicals to get uh, blown up. And then they go into the air and basically infect like everyone in the city and they start getting powers They become metahumans. Again, very similar to what the Flash's show did, pretty much. And so Static's power is he can manipulate the electromagnetic spectrum. It's actually funny because at one point in the comics, someone questions him and Black Lightning having the same power set. And they're like, no, Static Shock manipulates the electromagnetic spectrum. Black Lightning is a conduit for electricity around him. Very different. That's me being a physics nerd. Anyway. Science! Yes, science! <laughs> so so Virgil then uses his, uh, because he's actually a really you know upstanding kid and you know very smart, he, he figures out very creative ways to use his power to stop the metahumans or bang babies in his town from causing a uh, a ruckus and at least in the cartoon which i'm more familiar with in the actual comic i've only read a little bit of the actual comic his first villain and you can easily make the villain of the movie is a hot streak who Mm -hmm. is a bully at his school who develops pyrokinesis so you can literally form the movie around hey, this guy's already a bully before they get powers. He's already a problem and in a gang and, and causing issues. And then he gets powers and starts burning places down. And now Static's got to deal with him while also having the emotional baggage of this guy has beaten me up many times and now I have to, now I have the power to fight back. And so like there's a very easy kind of through line there, I think. And just giving us time to spend with these characters is 
the main reason I want to see that. Does that, that make sense? Totally. Yeah, no, that tracks. And then for uh, an end thing setting up for, because again, everything's got to set up for franchise material. You, uh, you do light references to Richie's power because Static Shock's sidekick is his best friend, Richie, who basically develops super intelligence and starts to being Iron Man, essentially, although he goes by the name Gear. And so you throw little bits of that as he like starts getting smarter throughout the movie. Uh, you have Ebon just in the background doing things. Like You could literally have a voice coming from shadows and you never see uh, who's speaking because Ebon is literally a shadow. So, And so you could do like the two or three scenes setting him up as like pulling the strings behind the scenes and then that could be like our our overarching thing throughout the the continuing movies is ebon is the real problem and hot streak is just the imminent uh, immediate problem so and bring in rubber band man because i love rubber band man oh man what a pull rubber band man i just love saying it it's fun to say rubber band man <laughs> totally anyway uh ulrich do you have an, a last one for us yeah, I'm just going to rapid fire a couple here together because I, I'm, again, like Thunderbolts, this is happening in the next 10 years. That is uh, Storm, Doctor Doom, and Craven the Hunter. Storm, Doctor Doom, I'm going to say tied into Black Panther. Craven the Hunter is probably going to be the next Spider Man movie. But I'm going to do one that I don't think I'm going to ha- get, but I want. And on the next X Men team, I want Forge because Ooh. that is a really. He's a really cool, unique character. And I know they're going to build, they're going to do Iceman, Cyclops, they're going to do the original ones. But if they really want to do something different, they would do lesser known ones. They would do Armor, they would do Forge, they would do X-23, which if they're smart, they're going to do anyways because it's way too soon for a new Wolverine. Just but for cast those a girl you, from Logan. She was already awesome. <laughs> yes, that is, that, is, that is my campaign hill, but I don't think we're going to see it because I don't know why. They just think they got to... We have to Forge, have Wolverine. I'm sorry to steal this from you, but again, I, I'm an engineer, and Forge is literally a super engineer. For yes, he's pretty obscure, so I don't doubt there are people listening. I don't. Is, don't you could also put him in a you could also put him in a storm movie because they have a great relationship uh, throughout the '80s. That is true, but I just like him because I can see this scene in my head: the X Men are fighting Sentinels or robots or whatever, and there's scrap flying everywhere, and Forge is in the back just building something, and they're going, "What are you doing? Never mind, just keep fighting." And it. It's your deus ex. He builds a gun, he builds a ship, he builds whatever, because that is Forge. And that, to me, would be a fun little, you know, joke. Also a great reveal of what his power is. He's literally making something out of nothing. Well, uh, He's also could be a, one of our first uh, Native American heroes. Yes, that's the only thing. I'm going to keep pushing this one. Is we, we, we have enough white people. It's, it's time to, you know, open it up, get some more things out there for no other reason than I'm going to talk straight to the businessmen. Other people have money, too. And they will pay to see it. Also, trust us. Really trust us. Don't do Apache War Chief first. Don't. Oh, oh my God. No, no. Let that you can one. Maybe make that work after you build some goodwill. You can't do it out the gate. <laughs> you got to rename it because I'm sorry. That is, oh, that is a relic of a long lost time. Forge is cool. Forge yeah. is different. Again, he's not a punchy superhero, which I think I love punchy superheroes as much as the next guy. But it's better to have on-screen diversity in the power set and you know what you want to make it really interesting make him a pacifist make him you know he builds stuff but he doesn't want to kill people write it into his background however you want and now 
that again that adds to your superhero team you're doing something we haven't seen 10 billion times i don't need another gene gray i will say i want another cyclops because all the cyclops thus far have been pretty bad but also for anyone just because i feel like we kind of skimmed over this for anyone who doesn't know forge's power is loosely defined as he has complete understanding of any mechanism that he gets his hands on and it's what allows him to basically build and take apart anything that is a construction so and you want to earn double points give him his amputee robot leg from yes. one of the series have him you know make that how he discovered his power you want to give him a tragic maybe that's why he's a pacifist he was at war he you know saw it he lost his limb he built it one like no i'm done with this i'm done you know killing people i have this incredible gift i'm going to use it to help people make that be his big story arc he will not fight anybody he will build things to help shield people but he will not you know, physically fight. I'm tired of the same handful of X-Men. And Marvel, you've got it. There are literally thousands of mutants. Do ones we haven't seen yet. It's funny. I do feel like the the pacifist hero is a very untapped, like, concept as far as outside of comics. Like, the last time I could remember seeing a really good non, like, just written version of that was, like, Aang in The Last Airbender. Well, show, for whatever obviously. reason, <laughs> I feel like Forge was a pacifist at some point, but I don't know where because X-Men continuity is deep and strange and weird. So it could be a total Mandela effect that I think at some point it's just like, no. Or someone it, will know and they'll tell you, they'll tweet at you. Hopefully. Do you know that I, I literally didn't know about Forge until I played Legendary? I don't know how I know about Forge. It's kind of one of those weird osmosis characters. Like, I know an X-Men, but I don't know where I first met them. Well, I mean, yes. so many... <laughs> have you two played that game before no it's a uh, uh, it's a board no. game it's just oh a, yeah this one okay it's a, a deck builder board game where you pick a hero and you and all the other players work together to foil a villain's plan and save the city and forge is one of the heroes you could play and so i like i i was pulling out the cards and i saw this guy like he came with the x-force uh expansion pack i think that's how i found out about him and then started reading a lot about him <laughs> No, Forge is really cool. I, just, I wish I could remember where I first read him. But again, kind of like my knowledge of all X-Men, it's one of those things I feel like I've always known because I don't know. I grew up in the 90s and X-Men was big. Well, in the interest of giving us some time for our suggestions, I think we should uh, wrap up with any closing thoughts. And oddly enough, my first closing thought is I think we've mentioned several times that um, we're done with uh, straight white male protagonists. So yeah. <laughs> give, us, give us variety. That's my it only took thought. us 40 movies over 10 years. I mean, it's better than society, but we'll get there someday. Maybe Black Lightning's <laughs> great. Anyway, before Black I move Lightning. on, Ashley, do you have any concluding thoughts for us? Oh, man. Um, more superhero movies are only good. That was not a functioning sentence. It's all right. That's not a requirement of a, concluding, of a conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyway, well then, uh, at that point, we'd like to give you the the platform, because we, we still have a little things to do, but it's at this point that you can plug whatever you want to plug. Heck yeah! So, listeners, if you have enjoyed anything that I've said here and some of the stories that I've plugged, you can read stories that I've written 
In 2017, Jason Inman and I published our first creator-owned ongoing series called Jupiter Jet, which is set in 1935 and introduces you to Jackie Johnson, who is a 16-year-old girl who inherits a jetpack with a mysterious power source. So she fights bad guys who might be aliens and robs from the rich and gives to the poor and becomes the hero known as Jupiter Jet. And right now, right this very second, as I am talking into your ear holes, our second volume, Jupiter Jet and the Forgotten Radio, is live on Kickstarter. If you go to jupiterjetcomic.com, it will take you right to that page. We are funded, so it is a pre-order campaign. So if you donate at any of the appropriate levels, you can get Jupiter Jet and the Forgotten Radio, which picks up the story exactly one year later in 1937 post-giant sci-fi twist that happens at the end of the first volume. And we see Jupiter Jet meeting a new foe who we're calling the Black Flyer. You can actually see the Black Flyer in some of the promo art that we have up. And the Black Flyer takes Jackie further into space than she has ever been before, is revealed to be a mysterious figure from her past, and proves to her that even though she's been a superhero for a whole year, she doesn't quite know how the world works yet. Because we all remember what it was like to be 17 years old. We all thought we knew how the world worked. So if mm-hmm. that sounds interesting to you, if you've liked this conversation and you'd like to be a part of it, you can get a Skype call with me and Jason Inman. Or if you're interested in writing comics we have a lot of script and portfolio reviews available some from me uh, i've been the former head editor at top cow i do work freelance as a comic book editor some from people way cooler than me like joseph malozzi who was the showrunner of stargate sg1 stargate atlantis stargate universe and the creator of dark matter and portfolio reviews from uh, mitch garrids who works on this small independent book you've probably never heard of called batman and mr miracle which won all of the eisners last year I would be so gratified if you went and if you donated, I will remind you that Kickstarter will not charge your card until the campaign ends on February 20th. So you can pledge and budget accordingly. We hit our first stretch goal on the day that we're recording this, which means that everybody who is getting a physical reward, in addition to the John Boy Myers artists of Teen Titans and Spawn and Nicholas Scott artists of Wonder Woman and Black Magic Prince that will be included in your reward. We added a Brian Lopez Jupiter Jet print brian is a frequent collaborator of ours if you're a patron you've seen a bunch of his amazing art we're going to be announcing a new stretch goal and the more people pre-order this the easier it's going to be for us to turn around and do volume three and volume four and volume five because volume two is already halfway done we have 60 pages written out of the 120 pages that we have planned and it's been two years almost three years since volume one came out if we overfund And if the campaign goes really, really well, then we'll be able to take that money and allocate it to the production of Volume 3 so that I can come back on Geeks with Shield next year after I've scheduled and rescheduled it twice and tell you about (laughs) Volume 3. So jupiterjetcomic.com. Even if you can't donate and you would consider sharing the link, I will love you forever. Thank you so much. You know, after reading uh, Science and now seeing the the, the pictures for Jupiter Jet, there's a certain stylistic quality and a aesthetic quality of well science relation that i adore so thank you uh science the elements of dark energy which is our book that came out last december is much more based in real science some of the things that make the jet pack go in jupiter jet are like um a glowing green pyramid and it's, it's a little more science fantasy our base choices are very specific so 
the planets and the moons and the heavenly bodies that we do name there and that inspire a lot of the names of our characters and their organizations are all based on real things and are based on real astronomy. So it's science, but it's not as engineering heavy as the one that's called science. Which we also recommend. <laughs> Thank you. Please review it on Amazon if you've read it. It's really good. Thank you. Bye. For any longtime listeners, you know, I have thalassophobia. I am terrified of large bodies of water and the ocean in particular. And yet something possessed me to go see Underwater last week. Yeah. I don't know why, but I did. And it was absolutely amazing. It was. It's basically just the movie Alien, except instead of in space, it's the bottom of the Mariana Trench. It's a really little di- a difference, though. <laughs> Uh, it's a lot scarier than space, as far as I'm concerned. So oh, I agree. There, I've seen what's down there. No, no, it lives in the dark for a reason. Now, Underwater is a quote-unquote horror movie that came out in January, so no one is seeing it, and that is really too bad because it is a lot better than horror movies in January generally are. Uh, Kirsten Sturt is the, the main character, and she is killing it in the obviously I'm not Ripley, but I am role. But... The main thing that makes this movie worth seeing, other than like it's just a pretty good movie, is that at the end of the movie, it does something that I will not spoil. But as far as I can tell, it is the first live action movie to do it. And it made me really excited. And maybe if we do a spoiler talk, I'll talk about it. But uh, if you like, I'm going to call it Hidden Adaptations. See this movie. (laughs) That's the end of my, my spiel. Hidden adaptations. Anyway, Ulrich, what's your suggestion? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and suggest Sex Education Season 2, which if you haven't watched this show and you have Netflix, go watch Season 1 and then Season 2. Uh, bit of a caveat warning, though. Be prepared for emotional backlash, the likes of which you are not prepared for. In <laughs> that this series is hilarious one moment and then gut-wrenching, heartbreaking, absolute depressing the next. Also, yeah... <laughs> How do I phrase it? This is adult-oriented. And the show's called Sex Education. Come on. Well, the the show, both in the opening of season one and the opening of season two, goes very direct, out of the way, going, hey, this is what this show is about. This isn't your thing. Get out now. And so, anyways, I'm going to assume you've seen season one, and season two picks up right where season one left off. And it's, I mean, it was a lot better. I love pizza uh, because there were so many love triangles going at the same time. I was trying to figure out what geometric geometric shape they formed and I concluded it's a pizza. It is the only thing when you get this many triangles together and overlapping, it forms a circle. Brew of this metaphor. That aside, it still works. It's still, these are still good, compelling characters. This is still people that you care about. And best of all, it they're, they're teenagers. And we all remember what it was like being teenagers and being in love and being stupid. So you kind of go, oh, yeah. And you're laughing one moment and you're crying the next. And also, it's hilarious. Which is really the best thing you can say. Hilarious. Anyway, Ashley, what do you suggest for us? I highly suggest that people check out The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. If you put a witch in something, I'm pretty much there. Uh, I consider it a brand and uh, it's just I love anything that has witches in it. I love the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina comic and I really like the TV show and I just finally got around to starting it. The third season just dropped. So if you like witches or if you like comic book adaptations or if you like the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, I would highly recommend checking out the show. Also, I'm a humongous Lord of the Rings fan 
And uh, one of the people I was not fond of in The Lord of the Rings was Miranda Otto, who played Eowyn. And she plays Aunt Zelda in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And she's awesome. She's so I did good. Not know yeah. And then Etta, um, uh, 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 Lucy Davis, who plays Etta Candy in the Wonder Woman movie, plays Aunt Hilda. And she is very wonderful, very charming, very funny. So I've had nothing but great joy from watching the show. And I would encourage people, uh, there's three seasons worth of it. You don't need to know anything going in except Sabrina's a witch. You'll really enjoy it. You know, I'm really glad to hear you say that. Because I remember when the show first got announced, I saw the tra- the trailer for it. And I admit I uh, maybe unfairly kind of wrote it off as a, another overtly gritty adaptation of non-gritty source material, kind of like Riverdale. Oh, and I so mean, I... if you've if you've read the Schilling Adventures of Sabrina book, it's very dark. So the book, is, uh, the show is dark, but as a fan of the comic series, that was what I expected going in. Um, so I actually like I enjoy it more. I didn't watch much of Riverdale because. I think to your point, it felt this is Archie, but edgy. And you're like, I'm not exactly coming here for this to be edgy, guys. Like, it's Archie. Yeah. And as for it's funny, the second you said put witches in a show and I'm mm-hmm. on board, my brain went right to Buffy just because I yeah. still have a huge crush on Allison Hannigan. <laughs> so I can generally get on board with that. I also, I, I haven't watched a whole lot of Charm, but my lady is like super obsessed with all versions of Charm. So I'm very familiar with the mindset and I will be it's sure- It's better to... than Charmed. I can tell you that much. <laughs> not throwing shade, I am throwing shade at Charmed. It's just your well, opinion. Your opinion's not wrong. It's your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> People don't like it, that's fine. <laughs> I'll just say this, the production value is incredible. Oh, it's gorgeous. Well, I will I will flip my brain over and totally give it a shot. So thank you. Yeah. We'd like to thank Ashley for coming on and talking with us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being so patient with me. I'm glad we finally made this work because I had an awesome time. We had a good time too. I mean, I'm not going to talk for Ulrich, but I had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the things because that is literally how podcasts live and die. True facts. And whatever platform that you're currently listening to this on, you're awesome. And thank you, first of all. Second of all, you can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. If there is any platform that you want us to be on that I didn't just list, tell us what it is. We'll look into it. We want to be available to you. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time. And as always, stay honorable.